fine. Okay, perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine. 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 You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, a political podcast where we recognize that everything is not at all fine and discuss what we can do about it. I'm Carissa. And I'm Sydney. All right. Hey, everyone. Today we are doing our second installment of our legislative session series where we cover local legislation that requires a timely action item such as your email, testimony, attendance or vote. We are discussing the special election on Valentine's Day for those of you in the city. Uh, That includes Prop 6, which is the Vancouver Public Schools levy and Prop 3 for the Affordable Housing Fund. So we're going to start talking about Prop 6 here. So Proposition 6 on your ballots due February 14th is a renewal education and operations levy. So this is not a new tax. This is just a replacement for what we're already paying on our property taxes if you live within Vancouver Public Schools. Um, If approved, it would be for four years, so from 2024 to 2027. Every school in the district will benefit from this. The funding is equitably distributed. And the levy makes up about 12.5% of Vancouver Public Schools' budget. Um, As a homeowner in the area, your estimated rate is about $1.99 per per $1,000 of assessed property value. So it's not going to change much from the existing levy. You probably won't notice an increase in your taxes unless you're really living in a, a fancy house. So the big thing to know about these levies is that levies bridge the ongoing funding gap between state funding for the schools and what the schools need to operate. So schools or the state provides us X amount of dollars and this levy fills in the holes. And so the money that we get from this levy, if it passes, and hopefully it does, uh, so it'll fund different things in the schools, but extracurricular activities are 100% funded by this levy. So state funding, none of that goes toward extracurricular activities. Um, 88% of the family and community resource centers, counseling, mental health, all that stuff, um, 88% of that stuff is funded by this levy. School safety support. So people love to talk about school safety and you know safety officers and that kind of thing. 88% of that is funded by this levy. Um, counseling and nursing, which we all need in schools, 45% of counselors and nursing staff and those services are funded by this levy and 8% of teachers. So huge chunks going towards school safety, extracurricular activities, things that really enrich our students in schools and 8% towards teachers. So that's kind of the bare bones of it. Um, Again, it's just a replacement levy, nothing new. And so if we weren't publicly funding extracurricular activities, who would have to pay for that? They just wouldn't be there. They just wouldn't exist. Okay. They wouldn't exist. They wouldn't be offered. So no sports, no band, Great. Okay, no cool. nothing, no theater, nothing happening um, outside of just very bare bones learning. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sounds fun. Okay, cool. <laughs> And I am not a parent. Um, I do live within Vancouver Public Schools and I want an enriched, educated populace. Um, I can understand people that don't have children not wanting to fund this, but it really is, you know, these kids are our future and they're going to be voting for us um, for a long time. So I want to make sure that they're getting the most out of their public education. Mm hmm. 
So <laughs> as folks might've seen in town there, or if you live in the area, there are some very, um, very loud. Yeah. I was going to say like, uh, boisterous, <laughs> large, <laughs> always tacky, um, always so tacky. Yeah. They don't have a like, good graphic design or color. It's terrible. <laughs> and it's like we saw during the elections, yeah. the elections, you should be able to tell who are the crazy people by their, how shitty their signs look. Yeah. So the vote no signs around the city, um, the first thing they cite, they're big, they're black and orange, really tacky. And they cite, you know, poor test scores in Vancouver public schools, which is not necessarily a lie. Test scores took a little bit of a dive, um, but that's because of COVID. And I think anyone who's a parent, I'm not a parent, but I'm an educator. I saw my students struggling during COVID. We all struggled during COVID, whether it was educationally or personally, or, you know, it was a, a lot going on. So failing test scores to me isn't a reason to not fund uh, teachers and extracurricular activities. It seems like after students had a really hard time during COVID that perhaps enriching them more would be beneficial. And yeah. Why did they have a hard time during COVID? Because they weren't yes. in school. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. <laughs> and so they cite a few things that seem really, um, you know, awful on their sign. And I actually had on my little local next door board, a mom say that her third grader is able to read these signs and is asking questions like, what do they mean? Um, the very first thing they cite is pornographic books. And her third grader is like, what's a pornographic book? And she says, you know, well, first of all, he could read the word pornographic because of his amazing teachers at Florida, you know, elementary school. But first, so they're referring to when they say pornographic books is their first reason they cite to vote no. And that's in reference to a quote one pornographic book. book. Yep. One book one found in found by a mom that didn't like it in a high school library. Okay. Um, I don't know if she's ever read the Bible and how pornographic that book is, but I bet she approves of it being in her home and in schools. Or perhaps um, a heterosexual teen romance novel that maybe she wasn't paying attention or that, that nobody's pointed out because it's a heterosexual uh, book, but yeah, yeah. Th this happens to be, I guess we didn't bring up that part, but yeah, this happens to be a book called Gender Queer um, about a non-binary person's experience during adolescence. Which seems valid and perhaps affirming to somebody in that same situation. Um, but it, also it's a high school, like in high school, I don't know how to say this tactfully, but like your high schooler is probably having sex. Like, I don't know what you think high schoolers are doing, but it's definitely that. Um, <laughs> they can't read about it, but they can definitely do it. Um, yeah, it's whatever. So pornographic book refers to, it says books, but it should say book. Pornographic book. <laughs> One found in a school. So that's their very first um point against this levy. And again, I don't understand why defunding extracurricular activities and school safety helps with a pornographic book in the library. Um, I can't make that Yeah. Point. And I mean, like this book is being like, you know, these people have people that are against this book have like a, 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 they can address this at their school board meeting, which is what they're doing and making a big hubbub about. They will probably remove the book, whatever. You know, there, there's a process. It's not like it's 
of course, it's just being turned into this whole groomer theory conspiracy being folded into all of that once again, where it's just like they're just going to blow up this one book that yes. references sex. It is not a pornographic book at yeah. whatsoever. Um, it's I mean, it harkens back to the fascism principles, right? Like obsession with a plot and all that kind of, you know, appeal to the uneducated, like this book. Well, have you read the book that you hold up? Like a lot of it is couched in religion as well. Um, this anti LGBTQ, which people don't realize like Gen Z, which is like people, what is it? 97 to 2012, 16% of Gen Z are LGBTQ. So like when you're trying to demonize that group of people, which this book is like this attack on this book is doing just that you're attacking those students, friends, like 16% is a huge percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it might scare some parents, but, and and the way they pre- presented, obviously pornographic books, it's like, there's like, I was going to say hustler magazine. I'm showing my age. <laughs> it's going to show like, what is a pornographic book? It's just so like, like it's if it's like what I've seen of it is like, oh, like talking about going through puberty and, and um like being like questioning because they were kind of into like gay porn books or something. Like it's like basically them just like exploring experiencing puberty and then like being non-binary at the same time yeah. during those two things. It's like completely something that fucking everybody at that age is going through, by the yeah. way. And you're not gonna stop that. And it's not, it's not like, it's not a fucking pornographic book. When we're talking about a pornographic book, book we're like talking about th- something someone's yeah. using to get off or something, you know, like it's like definitely yeah, calling it <laughs> Like somebody navigating adolescence and their sexuality is much different than like, you know, some romance, some tacky romance novel you're reading where like, you know, the guy's taking you away on vacation or whatever. Like it's not, yeah, like people aren't using it to get off. It's literally just navigating like, your sexuality as you're coming into puberty is so it's so frustrating. <laughs> I know. I know that just like the, this one thing's blown up and the, you know, and it's, that's the thing too, that we have to address. It's like they, they've always conservatives have always wanted to defund public schools anyways. Right. So yes. this groomer theory nonsense is just the new scapegoat and the new vessel for doing that. Right. Yes. And I think we'll talk about another local story regarding this, like scapegoating this group of people, you know, it's LGBTQ broadly and trans more narrowly. And, you know, we talked about before, like this is a group of people, they find community by rejoicing in the suffering of those people. Like they, they hate and fear, they have to have an outgroup. That's what fascism is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the cruelty is kind of the point. And so if you're like, oh, let's take this thing that might, this book that might help someone, like, no, we're not gonna help them, even though it is helping. Like the cruelty is the point in kind of everything they do. And like, let's defund the schools. Like you said, they've always kind of wanted to do that. They want to push their like charter schools, private schools, defund, take away from people who maybe can't afford charter schools. Like it's just, yeah, all part of this greater thing. What did did Joe Kent say during the campaign? He wanted to starve out the public school schools, which was like very poor, uh, (laughs) <laughs> like phrasing to you like kids in schools are starve actually starving starve them <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's just the one that's the first bullet point on their vote no sign yeah so we'll try okay. to keep it quicker okay, yeah sorry <laughs> we just had to so, go off on a tangent for that <laughs> and we'll we have another episode coming about um locally 
the demonization of that LGBTQ community. So fentanyl deaths kept quiet is their second bullet point. And what that is a reference to is there was a girl who died of a fentanyl overdose in a bathroom at Hudson's Bay High School. And fentanyl, unlike what you um, maybe hear from a cop you know, popular propaganda is that being in the vicinity of fentanyl will if literally you kill you. <laughs> if you breathe it, if you're near it, uh, that's not true. So a fentanyl death is somebody ingested fentanyl and overdosed. And that's terrible. Um, same could have happened if it was heroin or, you know, enough Tylenol, whatever. Like she overdosed and they're saying that that, that fentanyl death was kept quiet. Well, that's one person's medical information. It Nobody else was threatened at the school. And so Vancouver Public School didn't put out this girl's private medical information. That's a HIPAA violation to do so. And no other students were, you know, at risk. And they found like she had been purchasing fentanyl from somebody on Venmo, um, not at the school. And so that's their second bullet point. Another PSA and, for your people, all your, ki all your kids are doing drugs too, by the way. <laughs> Whether they're usually outside of school. So sorry. Talk to him about it. So it's not because fentanyl is exactly. a legitimate risk. Demystify. Yeah. Yeah. Talk I'll, to him about it. Um, exactly. And if your kid is doing drugs, like there are fentanyl test strips, make sure they're testing their drugs with strips so they don't overdose unknowingly and die. Um, mm -hmm. The student, my understanding was she was intentionally doing fentanyl. She knew it. Um, regardless, they didn't spread her business out there. And there was a story that I thought was poorly reported um, by OPB covering like this quote unquote cover up from Vancouver Public Schools, um, which was no such thing. If I was a parent and my child died of an overdose, I certainly wouldn't want that information spread everywhere. And you could say, you know, they could say there was an overdose at the school, but everybody knows who got medical attention and who was wheeled out of that school that day. Um, I think that student deserves privacy, just like you do. Mm hmm. Another note on that, um, there's actually a community forum coming up, up at Fort Vancouver High School that is uh, is put on in um, in collaboration with. So it's the Vancouver School District, um, the Evergreen Public Schools um, and the Clark County Sheriff's Office, as well as VPD. So they came together and are actually having a um, like a fentanyl awareness night. So, I mean, it seems like they're addressing the issue of fentanyl, taking it seriously and wanting to educate parents and hopefully students as well on this issue and the dangers of fentanyl. So, um, you know, it seems like they, they're addressing it. They're trying to do something about it to prevent this from happening to anyone yeah. else. And a big part of it, yeah, it's the education piece. So if you are a parent, um, educate yourself. It's really important because yeah, like, just like, you probably smoked a little marijuana, a little reefer back in your day. Like fentanyl is just around now, unfortunately. And it's, it's a different, different. Yeah. And if you don't talk to your kids yourself. about drugs, they're going to be like fentanyl, marijuana, whatever, same thing. Right. I should, yeah. I just, none of these drugs are that dangerous. It's like, no, you need to like talk to your kids about that shit. And yeah. So well, that's a legitimate concern for a parent of any, you know, age student. The fact that this fentanyl death wasn't publicized is not a reason to defund extracurricular activities. <laughs> and would a private school have prevented a, a kid from doing drugs? Like, I don't even know what the implication is there. You know, well, their, their beef is that it was kept quiet, that it wasn't public. So I don't really, I don't know. It's, it's as if they think fentanyl being in the vicinity of fentanyl would have killed other students. And that's just not the case. Got you. Okay. 
And then the third bullet point is the alki voyeurism victims in big letters. So if you don't know, I believe he was a janitor at Alki Middle School, had a camera up in, first it was in the employee restroom, and then eventually he had some cameras, I think, in the um, like locker room. And that's shitty. That's terrible and sucks. And I think he got caught. His girlfriend actually like called and reported him when she found like a camera or whatever. He was like recording people going to the bathroom, which is weird kink, but okay. Um, and he's in jail and he's been charged, I think already with the first part of his, like, like the first, first part of the investigation has been completed, but they're still like identifying victims because he had the camera up for quite a while. Um, I still don't understand how defunding the schools and saying no to this levy does anything to stop a janitor from doing that. I think you're just going to have kind of shitty people in any job. And unless this levy was like, I don't know how the levy could relates to that in any way, (laughs) other than just let's get rid of public schools because this thing occurred. Yeah. Just another, another scapegoat, just just an excuse to further the agenda that they already had before they had these, you know, exactly. random occurrences to point to. Um, yeah. The logic doesn't really follow per yeah. usual, right? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to, right? I mean, if you're thinking about no. the signs, the signs pretty scary. Pornographic books, fentanyl deaths, voyeurism. Like, God, that sounds horrible. Like, um, wow, dude. Sounds like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So their fourth point is no armed security. And I think we've seen with Uvalde and many school shootings, armed security doesn't do a damn thing. Um, it actually probably makes your students less safe and and more so afraid and anxious. Yeah. And I think defunding the school by not supporting the levy, again, that supports 88% of school safety comes from this levy. So if you're concerned about school safety, maybe you should fund what's already being done. Um, so again, ideological inconsistency. And then their last big one is union discourages parental rights. So that's just demonizing teachers. Again, the same groomer ideology, the unions are too powerful, whatever. Um, We have an episode coming on unions. Unions are lovely. The only union that should go away is the police union. Um, (laughs) And they didn't, we didn't want them to be unionized, by the way, the actual union members, police are union busters. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Damn. Oh, so unions discourage parental rights. I know. (laughs) We will one day. So that's their sign, right? Pornographic books, fentanyl deaths, voyeurism, no armed security, union discourages parental rights, vote no, big ugly sign. These are everywhere. And on my drive home the other day, I saw, I was going to say a gentleman, but he's not a gentleman, a man, taking down a giant Michelle Belcott sign. Mind you, Michelle Belcott's race was in November. And they have 10 days to legally remove those signs. He was just taking it down, you know, January 18th or whatever it was, taking down her sign and putting up a massive vote no sign. So that's a pretty clear indication that Michelle Belcott is um, in line with this these this group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also know publicly reported in Clark County today were other kind of a familiar cast of characters. Um, Rob Anderson... John Lee, Lay, mm-hmm. uh, who tried to run in the 18th congressional district, but the Clark County court uh, 
said he couldn't because he didn't actually live in the district. He was lying, renting a room from a friend for a dollar in the district to try and run. Um, it's the same people who supported Joe Kent, the same people who supported Michelle Belcott. Yeah. Um, uh, on the note of Rob Anderson, Anderson. So he's also known as a recovering pastor. Um, he's an election de- denier, of course, just as the rest of them are. Um, he's actually was the dude behind the, like the mini initiative, the anti-mask mini initiative that, Michelle Belcott was notoriously in support of as well. So that's just something to note. Oh, he, I, I did also hear he's apparently a regular at the sky. He was a regular at the Skyview protests where the proud boys were. If anybody remembers that. Um, yeah. So just great guy, great guy. <laughs> awful. So on my next door, this is a, I live in the area of Alki and Skyview middle school and this has been a robust conversation on our next door and I don't usually partake in next door conversations, but I certainly um, was a voyeur for this conversation. (laughs) And then somebody mentioned, where can I get a, you know, somebody was very vocal about their vote no campaign. And somebody said, where can I get a vote no sign? And the woman said, DM me. And so I DM'd her as well (laughs) and wanted a sign. Um, She was kind of cagey about where to get one wanted me to meet somebody at a Philida gas station in 20 minutes. Like it was a fentanyl deal. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Um, they just wanted my address so they could just put one in my yard. I was like, I don't give out my address. And so eventually I got a phone number and the phone number belongs to a Catherine Bauer, uh, Catherine Bauer. It's a California phone number. It's not a Vancouver phone number. Um, it looks like there's not much about her publicly, but maybe we'll We'll give her a little ring and see what's up. Um, I think it's pretty clear based on the signage. Um, the reports in Clark County today, this cast of characters, that it's like the David Midori group again. Um, mm-hmm. He's the one who prints the signs. They're everywhere and tacky as shit. Um, so that's kind of the Vancouver Public Schools levy and the the campaign against it's pretty gross. And it, their arguments against it don't really match up with where the funding actually goes. Um, So I think it's obvious. We encourage you, if you're in the area, to please vote yes, to continue to support the levy. Again, a replacement levy, no new taxes. Um, And ballots should be in mailboxes already, right? And the election is February 14th. Yep. And mail it before, as soon as you can. But there's also drop boxes all over the county, which you can find at votewad.gov. And I already have my ballot. I already mailed it back. And... You should do the same. Very cool. Okay, so next is the Proposition 3, the affordable housing levy. There's not a huge vote, no campaign, so this is less less, uh, dramatic, but just as important to vote yes on, right? Super important. Uh, Not as dramatic, no big campaign against it. Also, a, a uh, a lot smaller tax. So this is another replacement levy. Uh, it's again special election February fourteenth. Um, the replacement levy will approve affordable housing um, and subsidize low income housing and help fund the program. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you're in a situation where you're in a tough spot and you can't make a mortgage payment or two or a rent payment or two, and just a little bit of cash would help you stay in your home. Uh, it's a lot cheaper for the city to help you make those couple of payments than to have you end up houseless and having to find housing and start over again. So So this is if you're a renter or a homeowner. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So 
Vancouver is really just doing a lot of things right. I think this is an amazing program they offer. So the tax itself is 30 cents per $1,000 of assessed value of your home. Again, this is just a tax on homeowners. So for example, if your home is assessed at half a million dollars, $500,000, it's approximately $150 a year tax is all. So that's $12.50 per month if your home is assessed at a half a million dollars and you live in the city of Vancouver. Uh, as the city grows, the levy rate will go down. So instead of growth, meaning you know the city just gets more, the city is maintaining their budget and they will reduce the tax burden on homeowners. Okay. This is a replacement tax. Uh, again, it would start in 2024 and it would go uh, for 10 years. So it just helps the affordable housing fund and we can put details about the affordable housing fund and what all they do um, in the show notes. Um, that's prop three. It's pretty sweet and there's not a big vote no campaign. So might as well vote yes. <laughs> nice. And so that's going to be on that same ballot, special election. Yep. February 14th. Yep. So it helps, you know, vote yes, most definitely. It helps fund shelter beds and helps people stay in their homes and helps subsidize low-income housing and all the things that we want. If you think houselessness is a problem in our community, and I think we all agree that it is, this is a small tax on property owners that it's just a couple of coffees a month. So vote yes on that too. My name is Monica Zazueta, and I'm a mother to two beautiful boys, eight years old and five months old, who I raised with my fiance, Ryan. Throughout my whole life, I've had housing insecurity. From when my father lost his job in California when I was seven, and we moved to Beaverton, Oregon because of the rising housing costs, to last year when our family was homeless, with what all started with our landlord saying they would be renovating and raising the rent. The Affordable Housing Fund helped our family have a home again. Being homeless is one of the lowest points of my life because I vividly remember waking up in the park with Ryan, shivering, barely able to move, and it hurting getting up and walking to a nearby donut shop. I cried all the way there. I was so lost and scared and don't wish that upon anybody. Please vote yes on Proposition 3. You'd be saving so many families and so many people. I hope your days are filled with laughter and love. Take care.